Hello and welcome to another episode of Standing on the North Bank podcast with Wales Online. Uh, my name is Matt Davison. Today I'm joined by Swansea City writer Andrew Gwillem and Chief Football writer Chris Wathen. Uh, morning, gents. Morning, Alex. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're both uh, unfortunate to be at Turf War at the weekend. Uh, Swans at Burnley. Um, let's start with your views on the game. I'll, I'll come come to you first, Wathen. What, what was your overall assessment that uh, it's not getting any better. If anything, I, I'd argue it's probably worse in the Brighton performance. Um, some small hopes of a better link up between Abraham and Boney in the second half, but let's be honest, by that point, Burnley had got the job done, were willing to sit off and look in the counter, and you know they could have easily got another one if they'd actually uh, up their intensity a little bit. It was all just a little bit of a mess. I wasn't really sure what the, the plan was really and that's the, the biggest worry for me um, you know people can grumble about you know cautious negative tactics whatever you want right but you would have thought that Swansea are in a point where they need to go and just get some results just stop the slide stop the rot and um, and then throw in together it looked like a team that had been thrown together um more offensive options in the side uh, against a team that are, um, that are very settled and, and it just it, it, it left you scratching your head and you know the body language of Paul Clement at half time and after the game wasn't good it's 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 hard to be positive uh, about it it really wasn't good individual errors I mean you know you can look at the manager fine but or, or, you know throw on top of that some of the basic errors I mean Leroy Fair just couldn't find a teammate all afternoon. Um, really, really disheartening and uh, and concerning. Is it? So is I'm glad it... I put everyone in a good. Place. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I I watched the highlights. Um, cool. Is it? Is it? They were pretty bad in the first half, but they improved second half. You think? Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you you could say that, but I, I'd find it hard to argue that they could have got any worse. From where they were, really. I mean, like Chris says, it was hard to shake the impression in the second half that Burnley felt that it was job done. Um, you know, they they sat back, they looked to play on the counter, and you know they had one goal disallowed for offside. Barnes had a great chance that he didn't take. Um, you know, Swansea had their own chances early in that second half, and if they had had the ability to take one of them, you know, you you don't know what might have happened. But you know, very very hard to make a case that. They deserved anything from the game. Well, you know, bottom line, they didn't deserve anything from the game. And I just thought that watching the two sides, you know, you could argue Burnley and Swansea maybe similar in terms of size and resources, but Burnley had so much purpose about them, confidence from a good start to the season, just buzzed around with such a lot of energy and, you know, the contrast... Uh, the contrast to the, you know, to Swansea, particularly during that first half, was just stark. You know, it was, it was quite brutal actually. Just, uh, just how much of a gap there was between the two sides. Um, can we take any any positives from it? Um, any individual performances? Anything we could see tactically that worked? If we're looking at glass half half full. I thought Sanchez um, gave his best performance since coming in, and that that does give you a little bit of hope. Um, you know, Boney sort of got heavily involved, and you know, if you're going to be sympathetic, you say that you know the two 
main arrivals on the summer window, or two of the, summer, the main arrivals on the summer window, haven't been fit, which you know was expected, um, and they're still sort of trying to get up to speed. But if they can coax more of them, then there's there's an outlet for them, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, Boney linked well with Tammy Abraham. Then we see Tammy Abraham get stretched off. Uh, a fair play to him. He tried to play through the problem. Um, back spasm, still awaiting to see how bad it is, you know, what, what spasm was caused by. Um, but, you know, that it really was grabbing at straws, that, uh, <coughs> to say you can be impressed and be confident about that going forward. Um, it's, it's, it's troubling because we're, you know, 12 games into the season and we're still no further forward in saying what is Swansea's best side. What is their best setup, um, and how they go about stopping things? Apart from just keeping going and hoping it's going to turn, and, and a lot of the thing now is just based on hope it seems, and um, and that has to be a major, major concern. And, and you know, even more troubling is that you know the the from the fans away from home was the greatest again. You know, that obviously frustration was there. It didn't turn on the manager. It has to be said. That's a thing. National journalists assumed that they were calling for someone's head. It was uh, the managers, but in fact, it was the chairman. But let's be honest, they're going to go into that game against Bournemouth, and that frustration is only going to stuck around for a week and bubbled up inside. And you know, unless they hit the ground running and score in the first couple of minutes, there's going to be there's going to be the same sort of atmosphere we had against the Brighton game. And um, that ultimately isn't going to help some of the players who look absolutely confident, shattered. You know in the same way that they were at times last season before Plymouth's arrival. I mean, Sam Cooper's again, didn't help himself, but still looks like he's been affected by it. Tom Carroll's obviously dropped from the side. It's, um, it really is concerning. A couple of questions have inevitably cropped up about Clement's future, <coughs> and it's probably put into the spotlight a bit more now with with West Brom um, axing, axing uh, Tony, Tony Pulis. Um Sky Sports put a tweet out yesterday saying that Clement's job was, was safe for, for, for now. Where does the, where's the current lie land? Uh, well, I mean, you know, in terms of that story yesterday, you know, that's you know that'll be no different than you know what readers would assume we reported after the after the Brighton game. And as poor as Saturday was, you know, I don't think the position has uh, has changed from that really. You know, I think. You know, understandably, there's a lot of frustration among supporters, but at the same time, I think you know the the owners feel that Paul Clement still has some credit in the bank after what he did during the second half of last season. Um, you know, they're ready to give him the time to try and turn it round. Or you know, it has to be said, you know, it, it's very hard to see where that's coming from at the moment. Um, and you know, but but by the very nature of these things, you know, who's to say that a bad performance and a a defeat on the weekend doesn't, you know, doesn't shift, shift the ground there, you know, and you know it's he, he is under a lot of pressure. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, you know, I think we've said before that there are issues that go beyond just him, um, and it, you know I don't think the current situation is entirely of his own making, but you know inevitably when you win two out of twelve games, seven goals, nineteenth in the table. You lost six of your last seven. You know you were going to be under scrutiny. That's you know that that's that is inevitable. And you know while there are 
weaknesses in that squad, um, you know, performances have got to be better. You know, I think I, I think it's as simple as that. I don't think Clemens can be sort of surprised that such conversations or such headlines can be created. Mm. You know, he was at Real Madrid when <clears throat> Carlo Ancelotti got sacked the season after winning the Champions League. Yeah. So you know, he'll be aware that what you've done the previous year only lasts so long. Um, the, the, the difference for, for Swansea uh, while, uh, to previous managers, you know, Guidolin and Bradley were both quickly jettisoned, is because there's not been anything, whereas with, with both those and even Gary Monk to an extent, and, and Laudrup and Souza, there was always sort of un, uh, problems you'd hear about from the dressing room, from the training ground, that uh, people were lining up when as soon as the um, as soon as the results turned to say, you know, not as much that the guy's got to go, but, you know, sort of shedding a light on the, the problems going on behind the scenes and that the results are almost a natural consequence of that. There's been none of that with Clement, I have to say. Um, excuse me, we're in the office and people are finding it, my comments obviously hilarious. Um, and there's still a sort of sense that Clement is good at what he does and is that he can turn it around and there's no one sort of overly concerned in terms of his basics as a manager, if you want. Um, but ultimately, it's a results business. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you've, you've won the Champions League or qualified for a major tournament or whatever previously. It's what what's happening now. And, um, you know, for all the credit in the bank and the hope that players come into form and they can finally find their feet get out this sort of spiral of negativity how long does it go on that has to be the question that's probably the question that the owners and the board are asking themselves right now how long can they afford to let it go on um, and of course then the other question is is that if you were to pull the, pull the trigger who does come in you know because do you go for a survival specialist and yet again once you're in a short term cycle or like very similar to Sunderland, where you point someone to keep you up, and within six months of the next season, he's gone. And you start all over again with players they didn't want, or, uh, you know, building again. Just get to that, over that line, and uh, and it never really goes away until you eventually uh, uh, fail to do so. Um, so it's, it's, it's you have to say, it's going to be a big game on Saturday. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's just hard to know at the moment where the next result is coming from. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I, I think in your Monday, <coughs> Good Monday report, Will, you said that Clement was coming off the pitch at half-time and he, he looked almost haunted, as you said. Do you think that he believes he's still the right man to, to do this? Is there still confidence on, on his part? Well, I mean, I mean that that is a question that only he can really answer, isn't it? I mean, you know, he uh, when he at his press conference before the before the Burnley game, you know, you know, Chris was there as well. You know, he'd say he was quite he was quite bullish. Yeah, yeah. He was quite you know he was quite confident and optimistic. He could turn it around. You know, he seemed like a man who'd had some assurances about his position and just been told to go and to go and not to worry about it and go and get on with the job. But I mean, you know, forty eight hours later. You know, he's walking off the pitch, you know, at half-time. You've got to walk across the pitch at Turf Moor to go down the tunnel. And, you know, you've got the home fans shouting, you're getting sacked in the morning. You know, there are quite a few boos 
from the way the away end, and you know he was walking on his own. It wasn't like there was any staff or anyone mm. near him, and you know he, they're the sort of images where you do look at it and you just get a sense of foreboding about what's hap- what's going to happen next for that individual, you know. And he, you know he, he said he said a lot of the right thing, you know, the right things. If you like in his press conference, you know he's the man to turn it round. Yes, he's concerned. But, I mean, ultimately, things have got to improve. You know, it's we're beyond the point now where where words are going to make a difference. Yeah. It's it's got to happen on on the pitch on a Saturday afternoon. You know, as, as Chris said there, you know, the players remain supportive of him both publicly and privately. You know, they you know they talk you know with great admiration for the way that he has them train and the intensity of it and how it's so well structured. But you know, if if it's not coming out on a Saturday afternoon. You know, it, it's not worth anything, is it? You don't, you know. Ultimately, points are won on a Saturday afternoon, no matter how well you train during the week. Yeah. Uh, we touched on it before. Tammy Abraham <clears throat> went off with a back injury, stretched it off. It, you know, doesn't look fantastic that. But um, we were we're probably going to expect some sort of update on him either either today or or, or tomorrow. Um, if he if he doesn't play, do we? Just naturally assume that Boney starts, and just hope that he's gonna, you know, pick up some much-needed form. What? Uh, well, we'd have to, yeah, because you haven't got much of a much of an option. It would be a, a bit of a shame because I think I think it's come to a point where Clement's gonna just go with his gut and go and strip it all back and stop overthinking things and go with he wanted to go into the season with a 4-4-2 diamond so go with it mm. I think that has to be the way you know in Chris Coleman uh, being appointed at Sunderland this week and you know a lot of the questions about uh, how he's going to turn around Sunderland and, and he was telling that you know it wasn't all sweetness of light with Wales that he had to struggle to start with and then realise that Look, I'm going to go. I'm going to get the boot one way or the other here. So I can either do it, trying to play a way that people expect me to, or I can go into it with my own ideas. And and when he did, it transformed Wales' fortunes. Clement, is, he's almost going to stop listening to people like me and Nathan James and um, fans, pundits. Just go with what he thinks is right because, it, you know, at least if he fails on that, he would have failed doing what he believes in. You know, I've said it a few times before, his best two periods are when he came in full of ideas, knowing in his mind what he wanted to do at the start. Then the second period was when it was almost right. If I don't, cha- if I don't uh, change something and go with what, you know, make a call and stick with it, then we're going down. Right, that was the last uh, four or five wins. Uh, it's at that point again. It's just go <coughs> in your gut and go what you think is right and not what the fans want, forget this worrying about the Swansea way, and I'm, I'm talking about Clement here, you know, not uh, and, and what he has to do, forget everything apart from the side that you think is the strongest, the way that you inherently believe is the best way, and clearly the way that the recruitment went, that was with a 4-4-2 diamond, you've got the players there to play that, if they failed, fine, but that's what you've got, uh, and so going back to his question, you know, that means two front men so it would be del- a delight to see Boney and Abraham but you know it all depends on, on, on Abraham's fitness but uh, for, for me that's what has to happen this weekend but yeah at the same time I'm saying that Clement should know everything I'm saying so you know <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, I think obviously if Abraham's out, Boney, Boney has to you know has to play. That's just that's just the nature of the the options that he that he has got available to him. But yeah. I, I totally agree with what Chris said there about him. You know, sticking with his gut and going by his instincts. Because I mean, you know, ultimately, I think if you know, one way or another, this was a big opportunity for him. You know, after what happened at Derby, getting this job was a big opportunity for him. And if this, you know, if it goes down the pan here, then what's to say what comes next for him? You know, I think he surely doesn't want to come away from this job one way or the other with regrets, thinking, I should have done this, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd stuck to my guns and just done what I thought is best. Now, I just think, he's, as well said, he's just got to trust his instinct and do what he wants. Do what he wants to do, and if it fails, he fails on his own terms. If it succeeds, he succeeds on his own terms. You know, I think that's that's the only way he can do it. Um, you know, touch on um, Rocky Messer. Um, is left out of the match day squad again at, at Turf Moor. Um, a lot of fans, including me. Um, are keen to know really why he isn't getting in squads, why or let, let alone game time. Um, what do you think? Well, it, what do you think it is? Wads, do you want to do you want to take that one? Well, we have to assume that Clement doesn't rate him. Hmm. I mean, there's, there's, Clement doesn't think that he should be in the side. I don't think there's much more to it than that. He won't say that. He's unlikely to say that because that's effectively admitting that. He, he thinks an £11 million signing is useless. You know, it might well be, and I think the truth is probably somewhere in between, is that he doesn't think he's ready or isn't good enough at the moment. You can't then kill a player by saying that, you know, you're too much in public, because he could come good. There's no point saying, no, oh, he's absolutely rubbish. I don't know why we signed him, because six months down the line, down the line back in and you've got to build that player back up you know it doesn't work like that people keep on asking why didn't you ask about it god i've lost count the number of times that rocky messer questions have been asked um but you know if a, if a player is, a player is playing well in training and a manager's job is being uh, scrutinized he's gonna play him isn't he mm. no no one's that stubborn that uh, there's some sort of underlying issue. There's nothing that's, been, that's come out of any with any credibility to say that there's some sort of conspiracy theory. And, you know, we can ask again and again and again. Um, I'm not mm. sure that bringing one player in makes a difference, mm. much of a difference anyway. It's not going to be the magic one. Messer is not the type of player who's going to transform a side just by being in it. I'd like to see him given a go. That said, when I'm watching as much as United, I can see why he's not in the team. You know, positionally, he was—he was—he's not up to it in a side that are really on the back foot at the moment. It's not exactly a team that is come in and look after a player still trying to find his feet. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, it, it, it's the, the, the adaptation period thing is becoming a bit of a mockery mm. now. He's either good enough or he's not at the moment. And clearly, at the moment, Paul Clement doesn't think he is. Well, if, well, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, you know, I'd say that the other players in the midfield haven't exactly pulled up trees, and they have pretty much all of them to 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 a man have been given an opportunity to play themselves into some form. He he hasn't. Um, 
he's only ever going to get up to speed and perhaps embed into this side with opportunities. Um, I, I suggested in, earlier on this week if he's if he's perhaps not up to the rough and tumble of the of the British game, chuck him in with some of the under twenty three games. At least then he's going to be playing. I don't. I don't know. Perhaps that's that. You know, that, that's not how you get up to speed in the Premier League. Is playing under twenty three games. But it's you better know. than not playing at all, isn't it? Well, the thing is, most of the under twenty three games are on a Friday, mostly, aren't they? Well, is that still the case? Yeah, Fridays and Mondays generally. Yeah. Right. If you're in first team contention, you don't play. You know, and I'd imagine that even if he's not in squad, he's been travelling or the nineteenth man or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, he was on the um, weekend. I think he was the travelling reserve on the weekend. Yeah, so that, that is that isn't going to happen. You know, the end of the the, the way in and the twenty three games take place. And, you know, it touches upon some of the arguments of why um, that system is perceived as not working and producing players first team ready. Is that it's nothing like the Premier League or the Championship or League One even. It hasn't got that intensity and that pace. So I don't think if if the adaptation to the British game is the problem, then that's not going to solve it. You know, we've not heard anything off the record from Clement. He doesn't want to sort of deal in that manner why he's not he's not picking him. But, you know, it's, it's almost become symbolic a little bit. Um, you know, I'd love for someone to turn around and tell me the, the actual reason. But, again, there's nothing that's been forthcoming, no great secret, it seems to be. You know, sometimes managers don't pick players. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that's this case. I'd like to see him in there, of course, but um, I, I'm, I'm not getting my knickers too much in it. <laughs> like it's, uh, if they were standing on the North Bank bingo or drinking game, Rossi, Rocky Messi feature highly in it. You know, if uh, when Messi gets uh, when Messi gets mentioned, you have to do a shot or something. We'd all be we'd all be absolutely hammered if uh, <laughs> if we'd be doing we that over the course of the need season. A stiff, need a stiff drink, but definitely. To go with what Bart says there, you know. I agree. You know, adaptation period is, you know, is over. You know, I, I think he's been What's at the redundant club, theory, he's though? been at the club four months now, and I think you know, I'm not saying that if you haven't adapted by now, you never will, but it's certainly not encouraging if you've not been deemed to have adapted by now. And I think it's far more likely that he is being deemed to not be good enough for selection. You know, that we, you no, know, we don't see them train. You know, we don't know how he performs in training compared to some of the other players around him. Um, and you know, we were saying about Paul Clement trusting his instinct. If, if you know, on Paul Clement's head, be it. He has to decide if he thinks he's not up to it, eleven million pound or not. Then, you know, that's that's for him to decide. You know, I I would very much like to see more of him. Um, he's not been perfect by any stretch, and he's certainly not the silver bullet that's going to turn Swansea City's season around. Um, but th- there've been little glimpses of what he can bring. There've been mistakes as well. Um, but you know, if if he's not making an overpowering case to be included on the training ground, um, you know, I, what what do you do? You know, I, do, I think don't think you can play him for the sake of sake of playing him as much as you know, as much as myself and I'm sure a lot of supporters would like to have more of a look at him. Given that midfield, you know, it's come to it's come to feel a bit like you know you're rolling the dice and seeing what mm. numbers come up and putting putting three or four in there. So. You know, it's um, as as well said. You know, it's it's come to appear sort of rather emblematic of a summer yeah. which is you know looking incre- looking increasingly looking increasingly muddled. 
good case, well argued. Um, I still think I'm right though. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm moving on to uh, the Bournemouth game this weekend. Um, the last time Swansea at Liberty, it wasn't particularly pretty, was it, in terms of the atmosphere there? Um, how do you expect it to be at the start? This is a difficult question. And how then do you expect it to be at the end, Waz? Well, the atmosphere? Yeah. Depends on the result. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, at the start, there, there'll be people behind the side, as there always is. What annoyed me slightly against Brighton and has done in the past is that they, they felt as if they were a section of the crowd waiting for the first mistake. Patience is dead. I understand that frustration is everywhere. People are angry. There's a little bit of confusion who to be angry at or what to be angry about, apart from everything and everyone. But, like... Uh, Tom Carroll had a poor game against Brighton. But, you know, to be booed for a backwards or, or sideways pass, right, fine, this frustration, but it absolutely killed it. And it sort of just fed, it just built and built on that. Um, and you got to the stage where, you know, people not only couldn't take a set piece, didn't want to take a set piece. And, you know, that disconnect between players and, and fans, that's not going to, that's not going to help anyone. Um, there always comes a point in the season where it turns in terms of the sort of people accept they're in the relegation battle and every point is precious and you know they need the support we saw it last year when Clement came in ironically enough when the manager will change that but uh, it doesn't feel like we're there yet where people are sort of right, saying right okay we know we're in, the, uh, in a bit of a muddle right, let's get behind them there's, there's still people wanting to be Angry, and when it goes on to the players, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't help because it just drains away confidence. People go into their shells. They're scared of making mistakes. Uh, they're scared of, of taking risks on the ball. Which, if you're on about trying to create, then you need people to take risks. People then go as simple as possible, which is going to be playing in the ball of sands, basically. Um, so you'd like to think that. People can sort of uh, bottle their frustrations um, and, and in the hope that it can get a result that might just be able to be a turning point or the start of a start of better things. Um, and then you know, let fly after the final whistle if needs be. Hopefully, there's a there's a, a wind that sort of uh, takes some of the sting away. Um, I'm not really looking forward to it. To be perfectly honest, you know, anyone who says that you know, bad news is good news for Papers and websites um, are just talking rubbish. To be honest, uh, it's uh, it's not pretty to cover at the moment. It's not pleasurable to cover at the moment, and it's not particularly pleasurable to be at the ground. Um, you know, we know my fair share of season ticket holders and what have you. And there's all sorts of reasons why they not enjoy going to the Liberty at the moment, and um, and, and, and that's a real worry, um, not just for this season, but for for the, the bigger picture as well. Yeah, I think you know that opening, that opening fifteen twenty minutes is probably going to be very important, isn't it? You know, I just you know you just feel that if if Swansea can get out of the blocks, um, you know, with a good bit of energy and a bit of drive about them, you know that you know that might uh, that might get things off on the right, on the right foot. Yeah, you know, I just you know I just think if you see anything, 
if we see anything like the first half of, you know against Watford or or Leicester then I think you know I think everyone everyone's got a pretty good idea uh what to expect and and you know as well said a pretty you know pretty good idea of what sort of impact uh that'll feed on to what happens on the pitch as well um you know it, it, you know I'd, I think it's it's become a very difficult atmosphere for the players to play in um and you, you know you've just got to hope that they can get out of the blocks and get that bit of positivity because yeah you know, it's a bit of a cycle I think you know the in terms of the on-field performance fans feed off the players players feed off the fans and you know you, you know it's a bit chicken of the egg isn't it you could just you know does it do the players have to get the fans mm-hmm. behind them or you know do the fans have to get the players up it's a, it's a mix of the two isn't it but you know at the moment you feel like Swansea have to start with a real purpose and energy and intensity to their play that's been lacking too often at home this season. I know maybe that can be the spark, you know, for hopefully good performance, good result, and you know, everyone feeling a little bit happier. You know, obviously there's 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 issues beyond just on on the field, but you know, if everyone would be nice, it would be nice for a change if uh, you know Swans fans could uh, leave the ground on Saturday at least with reason to. To smile, absolutely. Um, team against Bournemouth, do you think? Um, four at the back, Sanchez to keep his place, Boney up top. Any particular <coughs> talking points around that? I mean, Sam Clucas to keep his place. Um, I, I would on that on a left of a diamond. Um, I'd like to see him push push forward more. And middle, you know. Not a sitting midfielder. I don't certainly hasn't appeared to be since he's been here. When <clears throat> you got Leon Britton or Rocky Messer or even Tom Carroll to do that job, I'd have Messer or Britton do the base of a, of a diamond. Um, Sam Clippers on the left, Key on the right, Sanchez sort of as a number ten because I know that's not his role. Um, but you might as well try him there because he's he, for me he's closer than than others in that and then hopefully Boney and Abraham in it um, and I think you know that's that, that's at least I know it's another midfield combination but um, you know playing that way I think you've got your better players on the pitch you've got a chance to have a bit more creativity without losing in defence you know just protection in front of a back four I'd, I'd, I'd really be Please to see that give a go because look, yeah, it's about results. Of course it is. You know, it's not a completely disastrous situation as it was before. They're not far off the sort of same points that they were at the stage last season, which isn't great, but it's a lot more congested if you look at it down there. I think what everyone needs to see is a sign of progress that mm. it can come because that is what <coughs> is as important as results sometimes, you know. Results can be the short termism of it all. You need to see that there is something more coming because if, if there's no problems on the training ground and fitness and all those things, it suggests that um, you know if you can start breeding confidence, building it back up again, that everything else is in place to make sure it continues. So I think um, yeah, five nil with a scintillated performance. That's my prediction. That would be. That'd be this. I think that'd be broadly the side I go with. You know, I just that that diamond system 
probably you know probably the best ones you've been under mm. Clement. You know, during the tail end of last season, when they needed results, you know, it provided that that bit of solidity at the back, which you know he's he's fond of and that he wants <coughs> in his teams, but with enough offering, enough going the other way. So you know, and again, you know, I think we talked earlier about him trusting his instinct and you know what he thinks is best. You know, I I would still venture that that diamond system is still at heart what he would what he would prefer to be playing so yeah, um, yeah I'd, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't disagree with that I mean 5 nil was we did have uh, it was the Palace game a year ago Saturday yeah 5-4 well, I, <laughs> I just need something to cling to after uh, dealing with Wales and, um, and and Swansea I just if I don't start looking optimistically then um, uh, <laughs> well I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I we'll finish on a bit of light relief if you touch a bit more on that Palace game I've got a funny feeling that was your first game for us yeah, that you covered yeah, first game for covering for the post yeah it, it's undoubtedly the craziest game that you've covered I, c- I can't remember a game like that I, you know I can't, I can't even from, I can't. from a journalist's point of view it must have been you know incredibly difficult <laughs> you, know? yeah, you, you could say that. Thank God it wasn't on a it wasn't a runner, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Chris was sat. Uh, I think Chris was sat the seat along from me on the press benches of that game, and um, I, th- I, I have quite vivid recollections of when Benteke made it four three. I think I turned to him and just said, "I'm not writing another word until this game finishes," <laughs> because it's just, just you know, it was unhinged. It was absolutely bonkers. You know, just a three-one. You know, you you got a file on the whistle, and you just think three-one. I can start to put this into some sort of shape. Swansea was it twenty-two minutes to go, three-one up. You know, you, you think this looks like it's done and dusted. <laughs> I know, you know, there's three goals in, three goals in nine minutes, and you you know your your head is spinning. And I mean, I can just I can just remember supporters. At four three, and and I can understand. I can totally understand why streaming out to the ground. You know, mm. just you know how how on earth have Swansea City blown this? And it, you know, just it was quite astonishing. And then I mean, you had you know you had those two goals in in injury time. It was just utter bedlam. You know, I've never you know. I mean, that noise. I mean, the only thing that I could compare it to. Last season was the Everton home game, you know, when they when they held on for a huge win yeah. in the survival fight. You know, the, the noise of full time was just incredible, and I, you know, there, there, there were so many flaws in that game. You know, neither side could defend a set piece for love no money, but you know that is that is an afternoon that I don't think anyone who saw it will ever forget. It was just astonishing. Well, you, well, you wrote a piece on it and. We'll post the link out again. The you know players in their own words, and no, I, I don't think they've most of them would have played in a in a, in a game like that. No, I mean I can I, I can just remember Jack Hawk speaking to us after the game, and he he looked he looked in a state of shock. You know he just he obviously couldn't quite comprehend what had just happened, and and, and even when um, you know he, he spoke to us later in the season, I think just after safety had been secured, and. You know, he 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 brought up that own the own goal he scored. You know, and, and, you know, Jack. Unfortunately, I think I think he scored, he scored a few own goals <laughs> last <laughs> season. Whenever he got in the way of something in his own box, it seemed to go in. But I mean, 
you know, when, when he described how he felt when he saw his head looping over Fabianski, I think he said it just, you know, he was he was so stunned, he almost couldn't move, you know, he just couldn't couldn't quite believe it, you know, it, it really was, uh, it really was quite incredibleism, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Wilde would agree. Yeah, it was one of those, I was glad that I wasn't uh, working for Liverpool at the agency I used to, where you uh, file <laughs> yeah. the national papers and very often have to file before the final whistle <laughs> and or like a midweek game because literally you'd have four goals mentioned in one paragraph right at the end <laughs> yeah. you know uh, it was a point where every time you look down to start writing you'd look up and, and another goal had been scored and you had to quickly sort of arch your neck to look at the, uh, the monitor to see what on earth had gone on you know um to the point where everyone just in the end just threw their pens up and yeah, just <laughs> this. Um, this is the worst piece I've ever written and um, I, might as well, I might as well just give up now. Uh, so yeah, it was um, it was a bit mad. But you know, it was the Bob Bradley day, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd take a 5-4 this weekend, I think. <laughs> a win. Just a win. I don't think my heart can. No. <laughs> uh, right, anything, anything else? Is that about it? No, I think it's one size a bit mad. Right, a bit of housekeeping, um, reading notes. Um, a regular reminder that you can get all your latest Swans news on Wales Online on Twitter at Swansea City Live and Facebook, which is Swansea City Wales Online. Uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about a win next week. Okay, thanks, gents. Cheers. Cheers.